All right. Won't you please open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. And if you are joining us for the first time today, we are in week two of this wonderful letter Paul writes at the, nearing the end of his life. It's not quite finished yet. We, he says he's got another round left. He's in prison, and he's writing to a church where he's got no reason to criticize for any false doctrine or any, any uh, controversy. He's writing a letter of thanks, and it's sweet. He loves this church, and he commends them for being not a perfect church, but a healthy church. In other words, they are living for, they are living for the things that matter to Jesus. That's a successful church. Is not necessarily the outward show, but the faithfulness of her heart to do what the master calls her to do. And that's what we're going to explore today. One simple word, doulos, which means slave. And uh, let's read it together in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. Paul and Timothy, servants, in other words, douloi, which is not quite diakonos, where we get deacon from, which is servant, the ESV, you'll look at the bottom, could give you the alternate translations. They, they're going for a softer uh, name. Uh, but Paul actually says, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus. There's no difference between them and these wonderful saints who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. He affirms local leadership, but they come last. They're there for the well-being of the flock. He says his words in verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, the more I read this book of Philippians, the more I realize what a treasure trove of godliness and grace this book is for the church. The more I read it, the more I see a man that has climbed the heights of spirituality and has found a peak which is so full of joy, so full of peace and confidence and fullness. And what he's saying to us in this book is, I'm not meant to be here alone. This is an experience for every single person who is in Christ. And I want to remind you of what he's talking about today. It will be a lifelong lesson for us. Paul is not coming and saying, in one day I learned this. He could say uh, quite openly, those of you who are mature in Philippians chapter 3 verse 15 let those of us who are mature think this way and if in anything you think otherwise God will reveal that to you also that means if you are willing to follow the Holy Spirit's help in your life you'll land where Paul does he says we are here together and meant to enjoy this wonderful uh, outworking of grace in our lives and he says it takes some time we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling but God's at work within us. We have all the help we need in Jesus this morning to enjoy the kind of delight, peace, wonderful fullness that Paul reflects in this book. And the reason why, please listen to me, this will help you a lot, not feel intimidated by this book. The reason why this is going to be a lifelong lesson of learning what it means to be a slave of Christ, which is a positive thing in the minds of Paul, is because it is a mindset. He could say this, guys, 
In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 7, have this mind or mindset among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a doulos, a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He said, if you want to know this mindset of becoming a slave of Christ, is you look at your master Jesus, and what you will see is Jesus modeled in his life what we are to become. But friends, the joy of preaching this today is that a mindset takes a long time to change. Not so? I just need a yes. I mean, when somebody asks you to change your mindset, he's not just asking you to change your mind of thought. It's the whole way you view your life, you, you view your circumstances, you, you view this world, everything. And Paul is saying, guys, this is for any believer here in Jesus Christ today. It will be a lifelong lesson, but you can make a start. Philippians, when Paul and Timothy can say with, with, with sincerity, we are slaves of Christ, he's saying, you guys can say that too, because when you look at Jesus, you see your model. And he is to inform every aspect of your life. So this is going to take time, but you can start making progress today. And you will be like Paul at the end of your life. You'll never regret it. Now, I need to uh, unpack in my first point today off the back of that introduction, the historical understanding of what a doulos meant. Doulos uh, is Greek, if you might have picked up. And Paul is writing to a Greek city. Philippi is one of the chief cities in Macedonia, which is southern Greece. And um, friends, it was a Roman colony. In other words, it was aristocratic, and it, there was a Roman civil war. And because of the help that Philippi played to the winning team, it was made a Roman colony, which means you guys who, who were here at the time were all made Roman citizens, which meant you enjoyed the full privileges of absolute freedom in this, this empire. You had the rights of a free man, of a free woman. And so for Paul to write, we are slaves of Christ, he was talking to a culture, the Greek mindset. That's where democracy comes from, by the way, which is one man, one vote, my freedom. I'm not ruled by any tyrants. I rule co with all my other people, but no one is over me. I actually tell people who may tell me what to do. For the Greek minds, the Roman mind as well, the highest form or the highest goal of a human being was personal freedom. It, it was to have no restraints on one, one's autonomy to decide where one or what one can do with their life. Are you with me? It, a slave in the mind of, of a Greek, it was subhuman. The loss of one's own human agency or independence or will, or the I will being submitted to anybody or anything else was considered revolting, disgusting, and the scum of the earth. And, and friends, how did you feel this morning when I said to you, you are slaves of Jesus Christ? I mean, nobody wants to be a slave, right? And to say in our culture, what is celebrated is Absolute personal autonomy. In other words, postmodernism is just the final landing space of many centuries of Western progress of saying any external authority over your life must be rejected. Really, what rules you is what do I feel? If I feel that this is good for me, it doesn't matter what fact says, 
That's the progress from modernism to postmodernism. Modernism at least had science and facts, which they're resting over. What does this objective uh, uh, department of knowledge called science say now? It doesn't matter about facts, my friends. It's all about what I feel, and I can change my gender, I can change my orientation, I can change whatever I like, I can be whatever I like. I mean, uh, it is it, the, the, the absolute freedom of postmodernism is rejecting any external authority. And friends, for the Greeks, that would have really resonated with a postmodernism culture. Doesn't it encourage you at the base of humanity? It's never really changed. And uh, I want to show you today that Paul is not backing off in any way of saying what a slave is. I mean, in, in Greek culture, a slave could own no property. They had no legal rights. They could have no genealogy. No one cared who your dad was or your mom was or your sister. You were bought. You were the owners. It didn't matter what your history was. And friends, in other words, he was the complete property of another, mastered by another. And, and the definition for a doulos is someone performing a service which he must perform, whether he likes it or not. He does what he's told. His will is not his own. And can I say what I have been so joyfully confronted with in this book is Paul's mindset of saying, I am a slave of Christ. And by the way, Timothy is too. And you guys, we'll see in a moment, are actually too. It led, it is countercultural, bear with me, in our hearts and our minds, the jump between believing that if I give up control over my life, it's good, is answered in the book of Philippians. And Paul is saying, if you will yield to the greatest master, the, the, the most wonderful master in the world, you will get the secret of Philippians. You will understand how I can say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He says, let the peace of Christ God, let, let the peace of, of God Guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You, you, um, you, all of these beautiful scriptures that we love. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. I mean, how many coffee cup slogans can we go for in Philippians, right? It's there for you today. It's there for you. But it requires you to adopt the mindset that every believer is called to in the gospel. Remember, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Have this mind, all of you, this mindset among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Something happened to you in Christ, church, for the Christian here this morning, that enables you to joyfully respond to a spiritual reality in your life, that if you do, you'll never be the same again. You'll be free. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25? He says, for whoever, it's here this morning, whoever, whoever wants this quality of life that Philippians offers, he says this, whoever would save his life will lose it. In other words, whoever tries to hold on control to his life or her life, they'll lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, for his will, for the master's will, he or she will find it. He'll find it. She'll find it. Matthew 16, 25. So I'm going to present the case of Philippians to you this morning. You get to choose how you respond, and I'm hoping Paul will persuade you that this is the best way to live. How can Paul say, I am a slave of Jesus Christ? Well, the first thing is because he knows what happens at the point of a Christian's salvation. Friends, my first sub-point of this great heading of a mindset of a doulos is he or she understands that they were purchased. 
they were bought. You know how amazing salvation is? I can't explain it, don't ask me, but it works like this. When a slave was bought by a master, the master had to get up, go to the slave market, look at all the options in front of him, and go, I choose you. And friends, he takes the initiative, he moves towards the person, he even makes the selection, but he can't just say, I'm taking you. If he wanted that slave, he had to pay a price. And friends, that price that he paid showed the slave how much they were worth. You see, before you came to Jesus, Christian, if anybody is not yet in Christ, have not, has not yet believed in Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, you're still there is we were under a master. A slave does not have, he went from being one slave to another, but our slavery was under a father of lies, a murderer, a deceiver, a, a, a spiritual being who wanted complete destruction of us, hates us, and we were trapped under the Satan and sin, and God came for us in Christ Jesus, and he came to us, and he initiated something. He said, I choose you, and you know what the cost was? Was the body and blood of the Father's own Son. He paid it on the cross to purchase you. He paid it that you might be released from hell on earth and hell after earth. The absence of God. And he bought you. And friends, why this is the path to freedom of embracing our purchase is because if you want to know where your worth comes from in your life, it's not your kids, good luck to that. It's not how big your car is. It's not how successful you are in your work. If you want to look horizontally for your worth this morning, it leads to bondage, friends. Those things always change, right? They're never enough. When you reach one thing, there's always someone who's gone a bit further. And in the end, the tyranny of a life trying to find worth in what changes. It's exhausting. It leads to nervous breakdowns. It leads to insecurity. It leads to inferiority complexes. But when you see, like Paul could say, I am a slave of Jesus Christ, what Paul is saying is, I know where my worth comes from, is that heaven wanted me so much that he paid, that the Father paid the price of his own son to get me. And where else do we need to look today, friends, for our worth and our value to the God of heaven except to see his son? You know, when you start to adopt this mindset that you have been bought and your value, your value is the Son of God, it satisfies a deep human need in us, which is a longing for worth, significance, and value. Not so? Not so? How much of your day, church, do you spend worrying about how valuable you really are? We seek it all the time. And, and Paul says, do you want to know what joy is? is having it settled when you look at Christ and you say, that's how much God wanted me. You might not want me at the moment. It's okay. The one who really matters does. You know, I'll get to it at the end. Oh, I must move a bit quicker. The second thing that, so is we were purchased, and friends, that's, that's the source of all of our joys. We have the value of the Son of God to the Father. And the value of the Son of God to himself, he was willing to purchase us with his own body and blood. And when that is settled, we know where freedom lies because we can sense where our worth comes from. It makes us a satisfied people, a secure people, a people that are, are covered by an unchanging source of worth. 
The second is, is uh, the doulos of Paul is saying, I don't belong to myself. I've been purchased, therefore I belong to another. And, and Paul could say this, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20, he's talking about sex. But it shows how we are to relate to our bodies. He says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. In other words, Paul's saying sexual gratification outside of a monogamous heterosexual marriage is not on offer to you. Why? Because you don't feel like it? No, because you're not yourself. Your body is not yourself. You've been bought at a price. And friends, our identity is expressed in Jesus in many ways. We, we can look at the love of God for us as Father. We've been adopted into his family. It brings us all the security and nourishment and nurturing of a heart of a father um, in, into our lives. But friends, that is not the only aspect of our identity. The other aspect is we are called as slaves. In other words, we have been bought. We are not our own. We have a master that has rulership over our lives. And can I say to you today, we aren't at liberty to do whatever we please. Do you know why? Because we are not our own in Christ. He has bought us. And now, Paul says, this mindset of, of in, entering into the hearts of Philippians is we don't live, to, live uh, to please ourselves anymore. We live to please another. And Paul says, if you will put that to the test, you will experience true freedom. Do you know why? Don't you think this morning, church, it's exhausting to serve multiple voices in your life? Don't you think it's tiresome to have, well, what will this person think of me if I do that? But what will that person think of me if I do that? Culture says something. The newsreel says something. The pop psychologist says something. Friends, there are so many voices, and the tyranny of not yielding to one means we're left in confusion about everything else. And Paul is saying, guys, there is an opportunity of freedom in your life where only one voice matters, where you can come and have such a clarity of mind where the one thing you ask in your life to discern how you're going to lead it is, does this please Jesus? Is this on his heart? For me, is this according to his voice in his word? And friends, uh, um, John, Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6, no man can serve two masters. We're always a slave. Did you know that? We're always a sheep. We're always following something. Be careful how you choose. And the thing about freedom, friends, is when you choose that one voice to be your leader, it brings everything else into perspective. It brings an assurance and a peace of, and a clarity of mind that leads to such peace. Can I ask you honestly this morning, answer me this question. Is it an easy life to keep fighting God on everything? Is it an easy life to have a guilty conscience before this God? Is it an easy life when he's saying, I want you to go one way, you're saying, I'm going to go another way? Let me tell you, in my own personal experience, instead of me wrestling God, leading to a sense of personal fulfillment, it leaves me in a place of dissatisfaction and instability. Can anybody say amen to that? Is that the kind of life you want to live, my friends? The joy of, of being mastered by one master is the joy of knowing I only have one person to please in my life. And can I say to you, you might as well choose Jesus, Christian, because you're in his kingdom. He has bought you. And, and your wrestling is against the spirit that does dwell in you. You might as well give up because he's got you anyway, and he's never going to let you go. The third thing about a doulos, so the first is he, we know we are purchased. We know that we belong to another. The third thing is about the mindset of a doulos is you don't own anything 
I mean, Duloy's slaves had no right to property or possessions. And do you know this morning, please listen very carefully, you don't own anything either. Everything you own is God's. And the joy of being a doulos for Jesus is to recognize the spiritual reality that everything in my life belongs to him. Now, do you know that you were born into this world with nothing and you're going to leave this world with nothing? And friends, what Paul says is the way to bondage is to look at your stuff and to believe this is mine. Friends, if, if you think what you own is yours, it owns you. And when the voice of the master comes of saying, hey, my stuff, I have bountifully, and can we just have say yes to that today? Look how much God has let you enjoy of his own things, right? Look at your wardrobe. Look at your cupboard. Look at your homes. Look at your families. Look at the church. Look at everything in your life. It's his, and he said, enjoy it. It's all God's. Everything, uh, the earth is the Lord's, the psalmist says, and everything in it. Uh, Colossians 1.16 says, everything was made through Christ and for Christ. And friends, when you start to realize that what you have, you're merely stewards. This is the master's. When his voice hits home in your ears or in your heart, and he says, I want you to use this for my glory, when you know this is his stuff anyway, it's not hard to give, not so. Can I tell you, a life of bondage is thinking that all of this stuff is mine. Friends, it is a burden. It is horrific that you might lose anything that you might, it might be stolen, or friends, the fear of loss. Paul's saying, when you see you're a doulos, not only are you purchased, not only are you not your own, but everything that you have is from God's goodness, and it's all his, and when it comes time to serve him with it, you can say yes, because you can say, this is the Lord's anyway. It's Jesus's. The fourth thing about a doulos is that you have handed your reputation over to God. A slave had no significance in society. Their name was not important. What defined them was who their master was. It happened to Paul in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 47. He said, you want to know what happened when I came to Christ? I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I, as according to the law, I was blameless. I was circumcised in the eighth day. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a, a product of Gamaliel, the highest teacher in Israel. But when I came to Jesus in that moment, I gathered all. I considered it rubbish compared to this fasting worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, my King. Can I say to you today, real liberty in your life is having nothing to prove to anybody. Real liberty in your life is not trying to protect what people think about you all the time. Can I let you into a little secret in my own heart? Is I have to fight every day wanting your approval. And I am learning that Paul said, guys, our approval does not come from the frowns or the smiles of the faces around us. 
What they think of us is not our reputation. It's what heaven thinks about you. And friends, if you can see your life as being purchased by Jesus, having that value to heaven and, and belonging to him and saying, and everything that I have can be used by God, it belongs to him and I'm enjoying it. When you start to see that you've handed over all of that, including your reputation, the joy of not having to consider how everything relates to self is true freedom. Don't you, wouldn't you love a life that after a conversation that went good or badly, you can say it doesn't matter how the Lord sees me. It's enough. And freedom today is when we, we hand over our reputation to God and we say it's in your hands. That's what Paul could say. I'm a slave of Christ. That means people think I'm in prison and some of them are so happy because they hate me. Others are feeling so bold because they can preach the gospel. It doesn't matter. Christ is the one that I'm living for, and Christ wants me. Christ came after me. Christ says, I'm enough for him. And the last thing about it, so you were purchased, you belong to another, you, nothing is yours that you own, everything belongs to him, your reputation, other one. And the fifth thing is, you were prepared, you, as a doulos, you are prepared for a life of service. Do you know how I think you and I tend to relate to Jesus? It's, Lord, I'm going to get on with my life and you come on board. You'll catch up with me. But Paul says, Philippian church, Sterling, a life of a douloi is really only about one thing, is what is the will of the master? Really? Is today, what is my master calling me to do. And friends, our posture as followers of Jesus is that we recognize that we are signing up as slaves, as bond servants. It's all the same terminology. We are signing up to serve the one who owns us. And that means we have been entrusted by the wisdom of our master Jesus with, with responsibilities. You never have to feel insecure about how much you are doing for Jesus if you have peace that you are listening to him. Because friends, his wisdom in your life has decided that role. His wisdom in your life has said, that's what I want you to do. Get on and do it. And it doesn't matter if it's like the talents say, a big responsibility or a little responsibility. Is are you getting on with it? Because the one who's faithful the little, oh, in the master's eyes, gets entrusted with a lot. And friends, I want to ask you today, do you see your life as not what your boss on earth primarily wants or your children need or what your spouse expects? Do you see that undercutting all of that and underpinning all of your thinking is that you are designed to live for your master alone? Now, can I let you into a little secret? I thought pharmacy was going to be my highest achievement. I loved varsity. I wanted to take an, an academic um, route, become a doctor and professor of pharmacology. I, I had my life mapped out for me. <laughs> Anybody relate? And I, I remember it was quite, a friend of mine asked myself, Matt, what's your 10-year plan? All I spoke about was work. <laughs> and he stopped me and said, have you ever thought of marriage? Have you ever thought about something else in your life? Like, a, you know, friends? 
have you ever thought about you know these these other aspects of and all I could think about all I could think about was getting hold of this prize of being recognized as a brilliant academic as a brilliant pharmacologist and friends I have learned what happened to me was the first day I hit real life work I got so depressed within three months I thought why did I study this thing Real life pharmacy is just not nearly as ideal as what the varsity teaches you to be. You know, they, they espouse all of these things like change the world one pill at a time. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, when you get there, you feel like uh, the most belittled person because you study for four years and count thousands of tablets for the rest of your life. I mean, what's the joy? What's the what's the wonder? Is you will find. I want to ask you, what are you banking your life on this morning? We all have it. Is it a family picture? Is it is it is it your work? Is it a sort of bank balance or a retirement scheme that your financial... What is it that you would consider success in your life today? Because we've all got it. And the joy of a slave is saying, I found it. And every Christian, it is yours in Jesus to say, my task on planet Earth. And he lets us enjoy it through all of these things. But the most important thing that we define success by is, am I doing the master's will and is he pleased with it? That's it. You see, because Philippians is not a short-sighted book, friends. Philippians knows all of these lovely institutions, that lovely, I had a specific varsity I had in mind, it will not be there on Judgment Day. Your family, if they are outside of Christ, will not be there on Judgment Day. Your work, your, all of these things that we, we so epitomize as glorious success, friends, they are going to fade the moment we see the glory of Jesus, our master. And a life, this is the joy of a duloy, a life well lived is a life that has pleased the master. You will never eternally regret saying yes to his will. Now, that means his voice in your life becomes the most important voice, his general communication, his will becomes the joy of your life to follow. And when you do that, friends, you have such purpose you have such meaning. It could be scrubbing toilets or it could be doing heart surgery. It doesn't matter. If Christ has called us to do it, it is joy and it will be commended one day. Amen. Amen. Oh, I, we'll have weeks to get around to believing this. It's okay. We'll get there. And so I'm going to land before communion to just briefly say the mindset of a doulos. I hope you can start to see, even if it's just a little bit, that as we live, by giving away our individual autonomy and we come under the master's authority, which I'll get to in a moment, it leads to freedom. What the world says, don't do because you regret. Paul saying, I'm living proof. The more you yield to this glorious Jesus, the more joy and peace and fulfillment and satisfaction and security, not from the outside in, but on the inside out, you get to enjoy. You are entering into what Christ said is the abundant life. So my third point is the path to true joy is a doulos of Christ gets the greatest master in the world. Can I tell you, your fickle self is a poor master. It'll tell you you want one thing when you get it, it'll tell you you want another. People in your life that you look up to and master you, their opinions, friends, slay, they, they change. And those opinions are fickle and can be damaging and hurtful. If you attach your personal worth to a husband, or to a child, or to a mother, or a father, or to a boss, it will break you, my friend, because you are not designed to be mastered by anything else that leads to wholeness and healing except Christ. 
And can I say to you, do you have a master in your life this morning that has bled and died for you? Do you have a boss that loves you? I'm very sorry, Mark. I don't love you so much to be crucified on a cross for you. Not yet, anyway. But Jesus did. You, you think that you, you, you I want to I tell you, when you say yes to Jesus, he has proven his love for you. If he came to rescue you and elevate you to heaven, don't you think he's worthy to trust on earth? When you say yes to Jesus, you are coming to a perfect heart that has modeled his love for you. And if he died for you, why do you think he'll destroy you? He'll never. If his will was to rescue you, why would he crush you? No, he could say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. You are exhausted by following all these other masters. Come to me. I'm the good one. I'm lowly and gentle in heart. I'm the one that when you, find, you follow, you find rest for your soul. He, I mean, he's, exposing, he's doing an expose of saying, when you come to me, it's good. You'll experience what you were designed for. And, and, and the path to true joy is to say yes to the greatest master. And also to, to realize that when you say yes to his his mastering, you are saying yes to his protection and his provision. Can I be honest, as a, as a South African husband and father, I feel the pressure every day of wondering how to protect and to provide for my family. I feel it. The future seems to be lean when I look at it with my eyes, but then I remember in a father and a, as a father and a husband on earth, I have a master who is going to protect and provide for me and my responsibilities as I yield to him. And friends, Paul could say at the end of Philippians, and I want to speak courage to South African families here this morning, South African citizens. Paul could say, and my God will supply all your needs in Christ Jesus. You're going to learn that a life that says yes to Jesus always has enough to do the work that they are called to do. And the fundamental questions which I have to answer looking at my kids every day and looking at you is, will we have enough and will we be okay? Is yes in Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, peace, joy, safety. And so how do we actually do this? Just three simple things, church. I want you to practice and it'll take two or three minutes every day, as often as you can remember for the rest of your life. How do we actually develop a mindset to become a doulos of Christ? My first point is this, under this final one. A frame of mind is cultivated by confession. That means for two or three minutes, you can be hardly awake but your opening words to your day, and until you get to spend quality time with Jesus, is you say to him, this is what you confess, Jesus, today, I am yours. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday. You could wake up rather hungover and depressed about your spiritual performance. Doesn't matter. Today, you're purchased, you belong to him, and you say to him, Lord, today, I, I, I am yours. The details of my life, is yours, that means my mouth, and my eyes, and my ears, and my heart, and my hands, and my feet, my money, my car, my family, my kids, my wife, whatever, my job. You tell him today, the details of my life are yours, and would you help me, would you help me please you today as my master? Every day, you affirm the truth to your mind and your heart. You be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and friend, that comes through confession, a daily reminder 
that, that to live daily is Christ. Amen? To live every moment. Paul's not talking to live. He's not this grandiose gesture of saying, no, he said, when I serve you, when I pray, when I read my Bible, when I'm with saints, every moment, with the highs and the lows, to live, to live is Christ. To die is gain. But it's a daily confession. And friends, you take two to three minutes, you tell him those five things in a, in a nutshell that we learned. I'm here to serve you today, Jesus. That's my ultimate joy. And I'm, I'm trusting I'm, I belong to you. Help me in my body not go down in my mind, not go down things that are going to displease you. You just do it for two or three minutes. I timed it. It take, took me about three or four minutes on Friday morning to do it, and I'm trying to do it every day. In the car, where it does not matter, you remind yourself that you belong to Jesus. The second thing, that how do we cultivate a daily mindset is, friends, Christ's voice must become the most important voice in your life. The only voice that mattered to a slave is the master's, right? Right? That means the way you live your life is you do what you can to be available to him. That means you hunger for his general communication. His voice, I believe, is not an audible voice very often, but however he comes to you in your daily reading, in a conversation with a Christian, in a preach, it does not matter how his voice reaches you, but when it comes, you savor it. You, you like, like Jesus said, my food, the thing I, I delight to feast upon is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You, you live in such a way where you don't neglect the voice of your master. In other words, why do we pray and read our Bible in a tent? Is we want to be close to him. We want our ears to be inclined to him. And friends, if we live far away from Jesus, how are we going to hear him day by day? And the point is this, is you cultivate a cherishing for the most important voice in your life. So one is daily confession. Two is loving the voice of Jesus and showing it by obedience. And the third is this, I know, I know that the will of God is going to hit your life and at times you're going to say this is too hard. I'll say it again. I know that in your following of Jesus, he's going to ask you to let go of things that we actually think is ours or to do things that are painful and we don't want to do. How do we respond in a helpful way to when that crossroads comes of my will versus him? It is to decide by faith that the heart behind his will for you is 100% good. You believe the same Jesus that bled and died for me is the same Jesus through however it comes, but it is confirmed in his words that this Jesus wants me to give this up, this person up, let go of money, let go of some aspects of where we're trying to find identity. Whatever the call is to be more grafted into him and to follow him in practical ways. When it hits your heart going, whoa, I can't do this, Lord. You remember the heart behind the one who's asking. Do you know what faith is? Faith is not self-ability. It's not to go, I believe, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to claim it. And I'm, friends, that's not what true faith is. You know what strong faith is? is actually attached to a strong belief in the character of who God is. You won't trust anybody if you don't think they love you. You won't do anything unless you know that they are trustworthy because of what they are to you. 
And friends, I want to say to you today, when you choose Jesus as your master, there is no other master that deserves as much trust and fidelity and obedience than him. There's no one else who loves you more. No one. When he says, do this, it's from a pure, perfect love for you. And I've had to learn to say yes to Jesus when I don't really like which way the chips are falling. I go, oh, but the one who holds them all loves me. It's yes. And someone here might be fighting to say yes to God. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's work. Maybe I don't know what it is. But friends, when the, when the call is hard, would you trust the heart that's asking you to go for it? Because it hasn't changed. Amen? Through the highs and lows, you are safe not only in the love of Christ, but his loving authority over you. And so that's what we're going to express today. This is a wonderful moment, communion. I want to remind you what this represents, church. Jesus said in the Gospels, he said, you take this bread, which reminds you that it is his body broken for you. You take this cup, which is his blood of the new covenant. And what does that mean? Church, when you hold this this morning, this is what you are worth to Jesus. His own body and blood. How much do you mean to him? Is when you hold this, you are to feel the worth of the Son of God. Isn't that wonderful? And then you remember that not only is your worth seen in your purchase, but your worth, friends, is found because you belong to him. And communion is an interesting thing. Corinthians tells us we must examine ourselves. Examine what? We must examine. Do we still rejoice in the wonder of this gospel, of how much God wants us? Do we stay there? Is that sweet to our hearts this morning? We need it more than anything in this life to remember the joy of being his. But the flip side of that is, is there anything in your life today where you need to go, God, please listen to me and look at me carefully. Is there anything where you need to just surrender refresh and say, I've been fighting you on this, but I belong to you. And as I, as I hold this, I say yes. Even if it's nothing in particular that you can think of, but you say, yes, Lord, in every area in the detail of my life today, through this wonderful moment, I say yes. I say yes to your mastering. Help me say yes every day. All right. So those are the two things I want you to ponder is how much God wants you and loves you in Jesus, your value to him, and then what do you need to say yes to today in his mastering over your life? So can those come in to serve? Just come up front. Um, and there we go. All right. Let's take a moment to pray together as they get ready. Lord, Jesus, Father, to be among your people is to be extravagantly loved. And Lord, as we hold this bread and this cup, which is a symbolism of Christ, might we not just believe it in our heads this morning, but feel it in our hearts. We would know your sacrificial, unconditional, unchanging love towards us and how much you love us, you wanted us in Jesus.
And the right response that is here, Lord, take it, it's yours. <laughs> That's the right response to the gospel. Is I've been bought. And I want to live like that. And so, Lord, if there's anything in our hearts this morning that's competing with trusting in your mastering this morning, would the grace that we hold in our hands open up our hearts to say yes to you, we pray. And so when you're ready, why don't you come forward and uh, take the elements. This is for the believer. If you believe in Jesus, why don't you come forward and take. We'll hold on to the elements. We'll eat and drink together. If you have it, just, just by yourself this morning, when you sit and ponder those two things that I said around communion, just talk to Jesus. Use this time to respond to him. All right. Let's give you one hand. Now, one more moment. Lord, is there anything in our lives this morning that you are wanting ownership over? Come speak to us, we pray. Come talk to us. Come help us and trust what you're asking into your hands. It's yours anyway, Lord. Come speak to us, we pray. Father, I pray as a church, as we hold these symbolisms of the priceless gift of Jesus and of our worth to you, I pray that we would believe more and more with eyes of faith the joy of what it means to be mastered by you. That, Lord, this morning we would see that true freedom comes in complete surrender to Christ. And that, Lord, it is not some grandiose gesture that we make once in our lives. It's a daily, daily mindset. And you're our model, Lord. As we hold this bread and this cup, you have modeled this to us so well, what it means to, to obey your master, your father, and what it means to ask the blessing, Lord, of being brought by you. Help us be the same, we pray. So let's eat and drink together. So, Father, as we, we go this morning, I pray that together with all the saints, we would be strengthened to know the hearts and the depth and the breadth and to know this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and to be filled with all the fullness of God. Might your peace go with us, Lord. Might your spirit fill us. Might we have your presence uh, uh, securing us, Lord, to the wonder of what it means to serve Jesus this week, we ask. Change us, Lord. Make us a people ready and fit for your service, we ask. In your precious and wonderful name, all God's people said, amen. amen. May the Lord bless you. We will see you next